there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome to another episode of T4C. If you're an aspiring journalist or social media maven, or maybe you're just obsessed with the internet and information, then my next guest is going to rock your world. But before I introduce you to David Clinch, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's the weekly newsletter we send out on Mondays to give you a one-stop shop place to find out who we're going to be featuring on the five episodes coming out each day that week. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time, the number four coffee.org and sign up. The box is right there on the homepage. Now grab your mug and take a chug because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And I am so thrilled to introduce you to today's guest because he is the quintessential example of how you can spend decades in one career and then summon the courage to leap into the great unknown. David Clinch is co-founder and head of Global Strategic Partnerships at Storyful, the first and only news agency specifically designed for the social media age. Storyful provides news and media organizations around the world with constant streams of verified, socially sourced content, which can be used across all their platforms with real-time intelligence from the web and the dark web to help manage their brands online. David manages key partner relationships for Storyful, helping the news and web companies they work with develop strategies for sustained growth, battling misinformation, and protecting their brands and business online. Prior to co-founding Storyful, David was part of the management team on the CNN International Desk in Atlanta, pioneering the use of social media for international news gathering at CNN. David, welcome to Time for Coffee, my friend. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? I am, Andrea, very caffeinated. So yes, I am. Awesome. I want our Time for Coffee listeners to know that during the 14 years that I worked at CNN when I was a foreign correspondent and when I covered American foreign policy, you and I had many, many opportunities to work together. And I so thoroughly and enjoyed and appreciated your professionalism and, of course, your warm and generous Irish charm and graciousness. (laughs) Well, likewise, Andrea, it was a pleasure of mine to be one of the people who whispered in your IFB earpiece whenever you were doing live shots around the world. And it was one of the greatest opportunities of my life to work with you and the others at CNN. The feeling was very mutual. David, I'm so excited about what you've done and what you've built at Storyful. But before we get into all of that, I thought we could rewind the clock about a decade And talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about your time at CNN and what you think the value is of staying in one job or one company for a long time, as you did at CNN. 
Well, that's a fascinating question, really. I stayed at CNN for almost 20 years, believe it or not, from the early 90s until the mid-2000s. And it didn't feel like a risk to me at the time. It felt like the opposite of a risk. It felt very staid and conservative and not risky. It was an amazing experience. I think any young journalist would kill to have the experience that I had working at CNN on the international desk in Atlanta, traveling around the world almost every year, going to some of the most interesting places in the world, working with some of the most amazing journalists in the world at CNN and meeting others in the industry. It really was an amazing experience, but it didn't feel like a risk or something that I was doing in order to build my career. It felt like it was my career. But now thinking back, it actually was a risk in a way, because if you stay at a place in the media industry and the news industry for a long time, you do run the risk of becoming that person who's been there just too long, or maybe missed the opportunity to change and do something different, or maybe you are stuck in the hierarchy in the particular company that you're at. And it's either too late because you've moved up too high on the ladder and you can't move up any further, or you can't really move to another location. Because for me, for instance, I was based in Atlanta. There aren't really any other major news organizations based here. I would have had to move and go to New York or somewhere else. So thinking back, it was actually the biggest risk I ever took in my life was staying there for 20 plus years. But the interesting thing is that when I did decide to make a move, and we can talk about that in more detail, but when I did decide to make a move, it was very, very interesting to me that people still really valued the skill set that I had accumulated over the 20 years. And that is a message for all journalists that skill set should never be underestimated. But it also was a very powerful message for me, and I could not possibly have helped to start Storyful or been as successful as we have over the last few years without the network that I built while I was at CNN. So really, the message that I give to young people who I speak to all of the time, especially those who want to work at Storyful or in the news industry, is that that is a lost art, the art of patience and accumulating that experience and accumulating that network, and then using all of that experience and that network, the power of your network, when you are ready and when you're appropriate. I don't necessarily recommend it for everyone, but I will say that any young person going into any industry who does not think that they will ever work long-term in one place is missing something, because that's an incredibly valuable thing to be a part of a family and to be a part of an experience over a long period of time like that is invaluable. And if you dismiss that because you're always on to the next thing, you're missing something. Yeah, that is such a great point, David. And frankly, you would potentially still be at CNN right now (laughs) if the idea that you had for Storyful had been picked up by CNN because you initially pitched it to your colleagues at CNN, right? Well, it's interesting. That's the other side of the coin. So first of all, Mark Little was the founder of Storyful. He is a colleague of mine, and we can talk about that. We had met and known each other from college days in Dublin. He is the founder of Storyful. I joined him after I left CNN, and we sort of blended our experience, our networks, and our ideas together. And there were others who were in the founding group as well, too, who brought other ideas, particularly on the technical side. But my particular route, as you have said, from CNN was that about two or three years before I left CNN, 
I had, for various reasons, become a sort of an ad hoc expert in social media at CNN. I had helped to put people onto Twitter, some of our correspondents. I can't remember, probably you as well, but certainly it was uh, before, others. That was after <laughs> my time, David. <laughs> All right. Well, I certainly remember that there were a number of correspondents who were very doubtful about whether they should be on Twitter and then later other social platforms. And we had what we called a social media insurgency at CNN. A number of people like myself on various desks or units or entities throughout the company who realized all of the opportunities and, of course, the risks of social media, but most importantly, the opportunity and the fact that if you weren't on Twitter, you were missing something. You were missing news tips, you were missing connections, you were missing information that was really valuable. But of course, at the same time, I and the others who were enthusiastic about it also realized the risks particularly around verification. CNN and others at the time were getting burned on a regular basis by seeing something on the internet and assuming it was real, assuming it was true, assuming the content or the video or the images were available for use. And all of the issues around verification, rights access, and even distribution had not been addressed at all. And so, yes, I definitely was pitching, as were others within CNN, for us to sort of turn the idea that existed up to that point, that people would just send us content from the internet with iReport and other ideas, which were very, very good ideas and very good systems, that we needed to transition to a system where we could look for, discover, and verify that content ourselves. And we certainly pushed, we built some systems, we built some teams that were able to do that in a very embryonic way. And yes, I pitched along with others in that insurgency that we should put a form around that and really turn it into something much more substantial. And for various reasons, that didn't happen. And in some ways, it's probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Some of my former bosses who helped me make the decision to leave encouraged me to leave because they realized that it would take way too long for that change to happen at CNN. And it did. It took many years even after I left for that to happen. It has now happened. And if you look at CNN and all of the other news organizations, they now do have very large entities that deal with verification and social news gathering and monetization and distribution. All of those things have now happened. It took years. So going back to what I said about staying for a long time, it was a now or never moment for me when I realized it would take too long to do there. I joined with Mark, who was starting Storyful, and we put our ideas together with some friends of ours who were much more technically minded than both of us who were journalists. And the combination of journalism and technology at Storyful began. And that has been and is at the core of everything that we do. So what is Storyful and how did you, Mark, and the others start laying those first bricks in Storyful's foundation? There are two answers to that question. There's a what is Storyful now and a what is Storyful then. So to start then, our elevator pitch, which was a very good one and was exactly at the right time, was that there was always somebody closer to the story. And if you think about the time, 2009, 2010, when Mark started the company and myself and others joined to form it in 2010, the Arab Spring was starting at the same time. And this was at a time when news organizations, many of them had withdrawn from their international news coverage. And even if they hadn't withdrawn, it was very, very difficult for them to be in the right place and on location where these momentous events were happening in the Arab Spring and elsewhere around the world. And the only means of really telling the story in a visual way 
was content that was emerging at the time on YouTube. And then, of course, in later years, it was Twitter and Facebook and other platforms. And so the original idea was around what was then called citizen journalism, although we later sort of moved away from that idea because Honestly, you're either a citizen or a journalist. <laughs> and and we, we thought that that was a confusing term. Eyewitness is really the term that we use now. And so originally, Storyful was based around the idea that eyewitnesses, people who were there, if you could verify what they said, verify forensically the content and the images that they were posting to social platforms and get specific written permission for that content to be used, that was an extremely powerful way of moving user-generated content, UGC, from the realm of the Wild West of the internet into the realm of journalism. It took a few years for us to perfect that art, but timing is everything. And for us, working with ABC, with The New York Times, with YouTube, with others from the very beginning who got what we were talking about was a huge help. Our first few clients were extremely supportive of what we were doing. And that allowed us to build better systems and better journalism and better workflows. So that's what Storyful was. It was and is a news agency for the 21st century around user-generated content. Well, being Irish, we thought we were geniuses and had invented something wonderful. But along the way, other people told us, you're idiots because you're gathering all of this incredible video and content and you're not really monetizing it. You're just sharing it with publishers why couldn't you manage the rights for some of this video? So then we started licensing video and working more in trending video. That generated money. Then we started working with advertisers and brands because some of them want to use these videos to make ads. Anytime you see an ad on television right now that features video that was shot by a non-professional, a child doing something amazing, an animal doing something amazing that is now in an ad, we're one of the companies that helps source that kind of content. And then the third thing, which again, we didn't realize until later in our life as a company, was that our system could really see almost everything that was happening all over the world in real time, sometimes well before the wires or other reporting. And that is valuable for companies, for organizations, for anybody who wants to know what's being said on the internet. And so we developed a whole arm of the company that helps companies, organizations, and others know what's coming at them on the internet, and not just the public internet, but as you said, the darker parts of the internet and private messaging and other things where quite nasty things can occasionally be happening that you cannot see. So we're a news agency, we work with brands and advertising, and we have an arm that works on risk and reputation and helps people survive at the speed of the internet. It's really extraordinary. And frankly, you've got a fourth branch that you didn't even talk about it, David, and that is the training that you're doing for young journalists that's available through Google News Initiative and through Facebook's journalism projects, right? Yes, absolutely. And in fact, that's something that I'm taking a personal interest in at the moment because we got into this, Mark, myself, Gavin, others who helped put the company together at the beginning, we got into this to disrupt journalism and the news industry, but not to destroy it. In fact, the opposite, to sustain it and to find business models around video and other things. But at the other end of that, something that goes back to my time at CNN is that we had always dreamt about having the what we dubbed then the CNN University. And little did we know that having 20 years at CNN was the best education any journalist could ever have. And the ability that we have now at Storyful, and there are other companies that do this as well, too, to work with Google News Initiative, to work with the Facebook Journalism Project, to bring some of that experience, not just our 
excuse my language, old fart journalism experience, but our brand new sharp end, what's next? I mean, yes, we've been doing this for a long time, but in some ways we are doing the sharpest end type of journalism that you possibly can. And to be able to bring some of that to younger journalists and also mid-career journalists who are based in really dangerous places, in places where this kind of training is not easily available, to be able to do that is a huge plus for me in the job that I currently do at Storyful, working with the platforms and trying to battle misinformation in one of the only ways that we know, and that is through journalism and teaching more people how to do it. So David, for our young listeners who may want to come to work for a company like Storyful, for Storyful, in fact, what are the skills that you're looking for in the entry-level positions that you hire for at Storyful? What are the must-haves versus the nice-to-have skills? Well, that is a great question. And I will say it's thrilling to me that every job we ever put up on the internet at Storyful, we get dozens, if not hundreds of applicants. It's amazing to me that we have been able to do that. It's equally amazing to me that people have worked at Storyful and gone on to now work at other news organizations, CNN, the New York Times and elsewhere. There's a whole Storyful alumni network out there that is doing amazing journalism. But on the question of what skill sets we would need, the first thing I would say is intelligence. We are an intelligence agency more than anything else. And hiring people who get it, who understand way better than I do, or any of the people who've been at Storyful for a long time, who understand how the internet works, how the spread of information and, of course, misinformation works, and how to filter what's real from what isn't real and what's valuable from what isn't valuable. That's really a basic journalism trait. I'm an accidental journalist, and we can talk about that later, but I wasn't a trained journalist. And I will hire trained journalists. We will hire trained journalists. Nothing against that. But in some ways, what we're looking for more than that is intelligence, the intellect to be able to understand things very quickly, because almost all of the workflow or skill sets that we need to actually do the day-to-day -day job at Storyful in any branch of what we do at Storyful can be taught, can be learned. But I can't teach you intelligence. If you don't understand the way the world works on the internet right now, then it's not worth my while to train you in all of the other things. So intelligence is the first thing. Curiosity is obviously a second part of that too, because things are never still anymore. They move very quickly. Things change very quickly. And so the savvy to be able to understand things that happen that you've never seen before is very important. And then teamwork. I mean, we were started as an Irish company. Mark is Irish. I'm Irish. The other people who were involved from the very beginning were all Irish. We're now a global company, and we hire people all over the world, Sydney, Hong Kong, London, Dublin, New York, Los Angeles, which is fantastic. But if you look at who we hire, everybody works well with other people. We want people who are very, very clever, but we don't want people who act like they're smarter than everybody else in the room, if that makes sense. We want people who are humble in their abilities because we have to work really well. It's a very intense environment like any newsroom is or any internet-based company. It's very intense. It can be on some parts of what we do, which involve verifying videos from Syria or shooting incidents and things like that. We have layers in place at Storyful to protect our journalists and others from PTSD and other things. We need people to be tough. We need people to be smart. But we, more than anything else, we're trying to recreate what I had when I was at CNN for 20 years, which is that feeling of the family of we'll look after you and we look after each other. 
And one phrase I like to use all the time is that it's never anybody's fault. It's everybody's responsibility. And we really take that very seriously. So we're looking for people who can work and play in that kind of environment. It's intense, but you can also have fun at Storyful, and we need people who can do both. And boy, did we have fun at CNN, for sure. We did. <laughs> we did. And again, I am so grateful for the experience there, not just in the journalism, but just the lessons that we all learned about how important it is to support each other and not throw stones in this industry because it's a glass house, the news industry and media in general. So forgiveness and family is very important to us. I love that. David, you have now alluded a couple of times to the forensic side of what you do at Storyful. You've mentioned the various lines of business that you have. For those young listeners who are interested in getting into this industry, what are the different types of jobs that may touch on journalism? After all, this is in many ways a media company, but you are also doing, as you said, some of the brand work. What are the other kind of classes that young people who are still in school should be taking to perhaps give them an edge, set them apart mm -hmm. from the competition so that they are able to really dig into this forensic work? Well, first of all, on the forensic side, it's a basic skill set that involves this very important tenet that we use all the time. Don't trust anyone. Don't trust anything. Don't trust anyone. And in some ways, don't even trust yourself. Don't trust your own instincts. If you think something is real, get somebody else to check it. If you think it's not real, get somebody else to check it. If somebody says something's real, check it. You check everything. You verify everything. I mean, if you set yourself up as the gold standard of verification, you had better be right. And we're not perfect at Storyful. Nobody is. But you had better be right. You'd better have systems in place. And that's all based around don't trust anyone and check everything. And that's a skill set in itself, which is a very hard one, I think, sometimes for younger people to transition into because it involves in some ways a level of adult cynicism, which is not something that I necessarily want young people to have to think that way. But in some ways, you need to compartmentalize, at least in your professional life, you need to have that cynicism and you need to have that journalistic attitude to everything. And so that is definitely a skill set. I think it's interesting. I talk to young people all of the time. I'm lucky enough to get invited to speak at some of the journalism schools in the US and around the world. And I do that and I get calls from people all of the time who are either looking for jobs at Storyful or looking for advice. And some of the things that I say is that you can have the skill set and apply it in different ways. And one of the things that I think is very important for young people when they're looking at what they want to do in this industry or any related industry is that it is a very general skill set in some ways. Curiosity, the skills of journalism can be used in lots of different ways. You could go into marketing, you could go into public relations, you could go into working in politics or the government. And I think all of those things are great. And in some ways, I just had a conversation with a young woman yesterday. It's almost overwhelming. There are too many choices. And so one of the things that you have to do is to start putting those into categories, which, which are the categories of the type of work that you're interested in, and then force yourself to probably go through the process of either applying for jobs or at the very least looking at very, very specific jobs that may not be perfect. They may not allow you to do all of the things that you want to do, but it goes back to patience again. You have to understand that your first job isn't going to be everything, probably your second and third job isn't either. But you have to force yourself in some ways 
to be specific? What is a specific job that will allow me to use at least some of the skills that I have to do some of the things that I'm interested in? Because if you spend too much time being general, and if you go into a job interview saying, well, I'm not really sure what I want to do, well, you probably won't get hired. So the skill sets of journalism around curiosity, around verification, around you know, writing skills, obviously communication skills, all of those can easily be accessed in universities and schools. Some of the things that I think might give you an edge and also help you a bit more specific are I don't necessarily recommend everybody should learn to code, but you should learn at least something about coding and computers. There are courses out there about journalism combined with technology in some universities, which I think could be very useful. There's also, I think, a real value in combining journalism courses with entrepreneurial courses that could be available too, because every journalist is an entrepreneur anyway. Certainly you, when you're out in the field, you have to learn how to fend for yourself and essentially you are a business in and of yourself. I and others like me went on to actually help build businesses. But that's a really useful skill set as well, knowing how the business works, knowing how to build a business yourself. So those two things, computer and web savvy and entrepreneurial skills, business skills, I think can make a big difference when you're applying for jobs. Yeah, for sure. David, your current job is as the head of global strategic partnerships. What does that mean? And what do you do on a day-to-day basis? I get paid to play on the internet. No, I'm, I'm joking to a certain extent. I don't get paid to play on the internet. That's not true. Although I do play on the internet a lot. But my job in strategic partnerships is a very refined version of what I've been doing for years and what I did to help with Storyful when we started, which is using the power of the network, the people who I've known and got to know over the years and worked closely with or worked alongside or in parallel with them over the years to try and translate those relationships into three things. First of all, a very keen awareness of what's happening in the industry and what's coming next. The strategic partnerships that I'm interested in are at the level of Google or Facebook or Verizon or AT&T or Comcast, all of those massive companies, which I don't even know what to call them anymore. So I call them all platforms. Some of them are social platforms, some of them are media platforms, but they're all these massive companies that now own news companies, they own telecommunications companies, they own platforms. They're so big that it's sometimes very difficult to know what they're doing next and which way the industry is going. That's a very important part of my job. So that's the strategy part. Where is the industry going? Where does Storyful need to go to keep up with that? The partnership side is the part I enjoy the most, and that is talking to the people, the most senior people at those platforms, at those big tech companies, to first of all, get some insight from them of which direction they're going and what their pain points are and what services we at Storyful could supply. And then to open those doors. So my business development role now is to make sure that if a massive company has pain points, that we, Storyful, have a strategy to help them with that. At least in part, we could help them with some of their problems, that we, Storyful, have the resources, the money, the people in place to actually deliver on those services. And then to connect to those people or the people who work for them at those companies with the right people at Storyful in each part of our business. If you need misinformation services, if you need video, if you need advertising or brand safety, I then, talking to the most senior people at those companies, ask them, who should I connect with 
at Storyful with their appropriate departments, and I make those connections. And once those connections are made, I can then move on to the next company or to the next platform. But I always have a half an eye back to make sure that that relationship is being managed properly, that we don't lose touch with the right people. Sometimes people change jobs, they move from one company to the other. I have to know that that happens. I have to make sure that the relationship is maintained. So my job is a strategic one to make sure that we know what's happening in the industry. And by the industry, I really mean a combination of a number of different industries that I know which direction they're going in and that we Storyful are well positioned to deliver all of our services at scale globally. And I have no doubt that when you were an undergrad at Trinity in Dublin as a French major, you knew exactly that that major was going to help you with what you're doing today, right? (laughs) No, I didn't. As I said, I'm an accidental journalist. I studied French in college. I did a lot of drama. I would have studied drama if the course was available, but I just did a lot of theater. I wanted to go into theater. I tried briefly when I moved to London didn't really work out. Let's just say it wasn't the right time and the right place for me to go into theater. And so I sort of drifted into the news industry and started working at ITN and worked there for a few years. And then another accident met my now wife and we moved from London to Atlanta for me to work at CNN. And so, no, I didn't know when I was back at Trinity what I wanted to do. But just to pause there for a second, there are two things that happened while I was in college which changed my life. Lots of things, but two important things. One was I did get to meet Mark Little and we were not in the same class and we didn't know each other that well, but we did know each other. And then many, many years later, basically through the power of Twitter, thanks to Jack and Biz and Ev at Twitter, Mark and I reconnected on Twitter. And when he started Storyful, I joined. So that was something very important for people to remember when they're in college. You never know which connection is going to be the most important one. Another, I met an American guy while I was in college who was standing in line to an audition for a play with me. And through him, years later, I met my now wife, who's American. So you never know when you're in college, even if you have no plan for your life at all, which I didn't really, you never know which meetings will change your life. That's one thing. But having said that, studying drama, studying French, Being in an amazing university like Trinity and meeting the global community that lived and worked at Trinity in those days and still does, it's an amazing world university, that changed my life. And so did listening to the BBC on my radio when I was growing up or then moving to London and experiencing a really big global city for the first time. So I'm not going to say it doesn't matter what you studied in college. It does. It should be something you love studying and it should be something that you learn from. But what's most important is that you pick up skills that you can then use. And I don't speak French that much anymore, but it's a very useful skill for me. But more importantly, studying French and being interested in the outside world and the way in which information and culture and other things worked around the world, that has been the driving force for me. And it happens to be applied through journalism and now through my new job and partnerships. But it hasn't changed that much. It's about curiosity and it's about hopefully at least trying to make the world a better place and to facilitate communication across the world. Mm. You know, David, the other thing that I heard in that story, and thank you so much for sharing, is the fact that you followed your interests, what you cared about, the subjects, the extracurriculars, you were in effect following your passions and have continued to do that through your career, which is why you've landed where you have, because you've listened to your gut 
And you were also somebody who, I said this in the introduction, who is courageous. You took a leap of faith because there are plenty of people who just stay where they are. Yes, they may be happy, but more often than not, they're just comfortable and maybe a little afraid. And I think one of my takeaways from listening to you and certainly in what I've done in my own life is that without taking those risks, you miss out on incredible experiences, perhaps that are much greater than what you would have otherwise had if you stayed in the place where you were comfortable. Yeah. Oh, I, I completely agree. I do think it is very important for people to realize when you're looking from the outside, somebody who's taken a risk and succeeded looks like they knew exactly what they were doing. I didn't. I didn't know exactly what I was doing when I left London to move to Atlanta to work for CNN. I didn't know exactly what I was doing when I left CNN and then joined Storyful. I probably still don't know exactly what I'm doing. Looks can be deceiving from the outside that people have it all worked out and the plan was always in place. It wasn't. But I will tell you, one plan was always in place for me, and that was to live life to the fullest and to accumulate as much experience in the world that I possibly can. And that's the biggest driving force for me. It takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot of determination. And it also takes, I use the word patience about working at 20 years at CNN. It takes patience, but you need the ability to take the knocks when they come because there have been some very, very, very rough days throughout my life and others. And so whenever you see somebody that has taken a risk and succeeded, you should always assume that that's because they got knocked down and got back up again. And for all you know, they're probably still getting knocked down and getting back up again every day. So determination is a very, very important part of it. I would not recommend to everybody that they take a huge risk in the middle of their lives and change everything and go into a startup. I would not do that. But I would definitely say that if you've got a burning feeling inside you that you should do something more, that you're not fulfilling yourself completely, just do it. Just do it. And if you fail, have a backup plan if possible. But don't let yourself not take that risk because your life could be changed so much for the better. But more importantly, if you never take that risk, you may regret it for the rest of your life. Thank you so much for that, David. I was just thinking somebody I interviewed recently called it the rocking chair test. If when you're 98 years old sitting on your rocking chair, would you have any regrets that you didn't do it? And I want to ask you actually about those knocks in particular, mm -hmm. because we've all had them. My goodness, you know, in 2007, when you and I worked together and CNN made the decision not to renew my contract, I was 43 years old. And that was a pretty good knock. We've all had them. Some of us have had many knocks. And the truth is, you have to develop grit, as you were alluding to a moment ago. Could you mm -hmm. share an experience that you've had in your professional life when you were knocked down and how you persevered and maybe what lessons you took away from the experience, David? Very early in my career, I had multiple knocks. And this is probably the most important thing for people, young people to realize when they start out is that, again, looking at people who've done well in their careers, you just assume they started well. I didn't really start very well. I probably still have hidden away in a box somewhere all of the rejection letters that I got from The Guardian or the BBC or 
any number of different media television companies that I was trying to get a job with in London many years ago. So that's the first set of knocks that you're going to get. You'll get a lot more no's than you do yeses. So you just have to accept that. And I think most young people are probably prepared for that. But that is the first set. The second set is, and something that has happened to me a number of times, is that you have to be careful not to get ahead of yourself and not to think that you have all of the answers. And most of the biggest knocks that I had when I was at CNN, for instance, involved me making a decision or saying something or doing something that went beyond my level of responsibility or my level of understanding, or I just was full of myself. And I said something or made a decision in the middle of the night. I used to work at the night shift and I would make a decision and say, that's it decision is made. And the key part I left out was checking with somebody else and getting another opinion on it. And those were the biggest knocks. Some of them cost me a lot in terms of discipline from my bosses and lack of respect from my colleagues, because I made a fool of myself. And one of my bosses at CNN used to tell me that I needed to be more humble and self-aware. So I put a little sticker on my desk above me that said, I'm humble and self-aware, which of course is <laughs> mocking myself. But that is very important. If you're going to get knocked down in your mid-career and later career, it's almost always, not always, because sometimes it's nothing to do with you, but it is often because you just went too far and you didn't get the help that's available to you. You didn't get the other points of view that you should have. And then I think that it's also very important that you're not afraid to fail. I mean, that's something that Mark Little always said when we started Storyful and, and says all the time, fail often and fail fast is certainly a good approach when you're a startup. And it's also a good approach when you're doing anything in terms of risk in your life. You cannot be afraid of failure. And you don't necessarily have to have a complete plan B, but you need to just have an umbrella underneath you that protects you. If you know you failed, if you know you're going to fail, or if you know you could fail, you need to know what your bottom line is and to be able to say, well, you failed, it didn't work, but you can move on. And one other very important thing is that failure often or knocks often involve other people, other people who made decisions about you or your career or whether you were good enough or not good enough. And one of the things that I have learned is that I'm not going to say I don't hold grudges because I do sometimes, but it is very important for me not to burn too many bridges in your career. You never know when the boss who let you go might be looking for help later. You never know when you might be looking for help later from somebody who worked for you or with you. So I'm not saying you need to be perfect and not sometimes be upset if things happen to you. But it's not a good idea to burn bridges. And it is not a good idea to blame your troubles on other people. Even sometimes if they are other people's fault, that's bad energy that you could be using for something else. Oh, that is such wonderful advice, David. Advice so that I sometimes don't take for myself, I will say. But I try as much as I can to not feel that way about things that have happened to me in my career. Well, I mean, look, the truth is we are all human. And I think having that self-awareness is a really important first step. And we're never going to be perfect, but we can strive to be. And I think that's a great way to live your life. I try and fail often. And you can ask my wife about that. Words to live by, but a guide rather than necessarily something that happens all the time. But I will say for young people, 
that's a very important thing to remember is you are going to get knocked down and you're going to have to get back up again. And I don't know how young people do that. I have three children and, you know, two of them are one's in college, one's left college, one's almost finished in high school. They're all adulting in one form or another. And sometimes it amazes me how they are able to pick themselves up after getting knocked down because I was way more vulnerable than they are at their age. Well, it's probably attributable to great parenting. So there you have it. David, final time for coffee question. If you could go back to Trinity and do it all over again, but based on the wisdom that you have now, what advice would you give yourself? I actually think about that a lot because those were the best four years of my life at Trinity. And in some ways, I wouldn't change anything. But that's not really true because I didn't spend enough time really, truly enjoying every moment when I was in college to be able to be with all of those other people who wanted to learn, to be able to travel in the summers and connect with other people, to have access to those professors and everything else. I didn't appreciate it, and I certainly didn't spend enough time enjoying it. But one of the other things I would say in relation to my career is that I think that if I would change anything in the way I was thinking about my life then, I would probably have spent a little bit more time thinking about which direction I wanted to go in. And going back to the advice that I give to younger people now is that I was still, and I was for years after I left college, still too hey wow about all of the opportunities in the world and thinking about all of the hundreds of different things I could do and places I could go. And I didn't lose years there, but I think I did lack focus. And I think it would have been a bit better for me if I had stayed very global in my ambitions of where I wanted to go in the world and the things that I wanted to connect to, but maybe had thought a little bit earlier about the things that I wanted to focus on. I wish I had realized my interest in journalism, and I wish I had maybe taken some courses. They weren't available at Trinity at the time, but I could have taken them somewhere else or done some work experience. And I just didn't because I didn't want to focus. I just didn't want to be tied into any one particular thing. And that's honestly why it took me a long time to get a job in news because I had no experience and I should have taken more time to focus a little bit more and to do something that could have helped me get a job faster. You've turned out okay. And it may have taken you a little bit longer to get traction, but holy cow, look where you are now. And I just want to say Personally, it has been such a pleasure to catch up with you, to see the remarkable company that you and Mark and your colleagues at Storyful have built. I am just full of admiration and happiness for you that you have found such an incredible company that is truly on the cutting edge in so many ways. And I want to thank you sincerely for making Time for Coffee today with me and the Time for Coffee community. It has been a real pleasure. I really appreciate it, Andrea, and what a wonderful thing you're doing with this podcast. And I'm really looking forward to hearing any reaction from your audience and from you to this and taking part again. And by the way, I'm not finished yet, just because we've done this much so far. What's really exciting about this is that I'm not finished. We're not finished at Storyful. There's tons more that we can do. So this is exciting. 
Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much.